Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher and I'm here to talk with my dad, Robert Robb, who's writing on Substack. You can subscribe uh, at robertrobb.substack.com. Today we are talking about the Arizona primary election results and votes aren't completely finalized at the time of this recording, but um, it looks like a pretty much a clean sweep for the Trump loyalists, uh, including uh, in the statewide races and the legislative, the state legislative primaries. Uh, and you wrote today uh, about basically how you see the Republican Party as in Trump's hands, and that is pretty much locked up in that for the for this foreseeable future. And I've seen some reporting uh, recently saying that that some quote unquote normal Republicans are shocked by this outcome, um, but it but it seemed pretty inevitable, don't you think? I mean, even after January sixth, nobody, at least not the establishment, old guard establishment, even made an attempt to steer the party apparatus away from this inevitable outcome. Well, I think that there was hope within establishment circles uh, that some of the candidates who were perceived as not being sincere uh, in the extent to which they voiced support um, for uh, Trump and for his claims about the 2020 election might nevertheless um, go ahead and win. Uh, and instead, uh, not only did the Trump endorse candidates won, but if you go even into legislative races where he hadn't endorsed anybody, uh, the Trumpiest uh, candidate uh, seemed to win. Um, so I do think that it uh, provides, with respect to Arizona, some states have had different experiences, but with respect to Arizona, uh, the Republican Party is the party of Trump. That's the reality. How much, how much, one thing that I struggle with is, 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 you know, this idea of, you kind of mentioned it there of not, not totally believing it. And, and that's what I don't know is, is, is the rhetoric that comes out of the Trump crowd is so extreme, but it's also wrapped in sort of like a ha ha joking mentality. I mean, it was kind of the same thing with January 6th, right? You had this uh, attack, assault on the Capitol to try to stop the count uh, of the electoral college votes, but you also had this ridiculous aspect of of uh, the guys in horn, that guy in horns, and, and, and it was almost comical in, in, in certain ways. Some of this, some of this rhetoric and some of the podcasters like, like Steve Bannon and stuff, but then, but then you you, know, you look at a guy like like Matt Salmon who ran for uh, for governor, and one of the one of the first events for these sort of like the kickoff uh, event for the for the primary was a Turning Point USA rally. I think it was in the summer of of twenty one, and all of these candidates showed up. And Matt Salmon, um, I, I grabbed a couple clips of this rally, but I was wanted to spare the listeners of, of some of these, uh, some of these clips, but just screaming at, at, at the turning point rally about how it's Trump country. And, and even, even other people who you'd think are more moderate, um, Republicans 
were at this rally because it almost seemed like, well, this is what you need to do, right? This is what you need to do to, uh, to compete. And so I guess my question is, you know, the, the arc of Matt Salmon in this, in this campaign was going from that, trying to out MAGA, um, and Karen Taylor Robeson did this in a, in a way too, even though she didn't go to this, to this rally of trying to out MAGA, um, Carrie Lake. And then at a certain point in the middle of the race, it, it, it appeared that that wasn't going to work. So they, they kind of toned it down a little bit, but then never fully switched the other way. And then it got to the point where at the very end, Ducey and Pence were intervening on Robeson's behalf. Matt Salmon got out of the race, but not in time to get his, his name off the ballot. So was this just a matter of too little, too late? Were they trying to play it too cute? Or, or do they just not believe their, this rhetoric that these extreme MAGA people are saying? Or are they on board with where they're going? That's what I'm, I don't fully understand the, the, the mindset or the reasons why uh, you would take this so lightly, even to the point of playing along with it, assuming that they don't believe it or are on board with it. Uh, that's a difficult question to answer and undoubtedly um, it's different for uh, each of the players and I think probably different at different points in time uh, during the course of the election. Certainly the political advice that all the candidates were uh, being uh, given from the start of the election was that you had to be with Trump in order to have a chance to win. Uh, so. Uh, that was sort of the political calculation. I think there was a um, skepticism on the part of some and, and a hope on the part of some uh, that Robeson and, and Salmon uh, weren't sincere about it, that they were simply doing it out of political calculation. Um, I, I simply can't answer the question as to whether in their heart of hearts um, they had any degree of discomfort uh, with doing that, whether they talked themselves into it. Um, but it's a sad thing. I mean, I've known Matt Salmon uh, since before he ever ran for office for the first time for the state legislature. Uh, he's a, a good, decent, honest person. And in my view, a good, decent, honest person can't look at what's happened in this country and what Trump did without reaching the conclusion uh, that he's a dangerous figure um, and uh, engaged in nefarious conduct, one of the most nefarious acts in all of American history. Um, so I can't answer the question of how does a Matt Salmon find himself standing before turning point, screaming at the top, top of his lungs, is this Trump country or is this Trump country? Um, it's, I mean, there, there is, politics is kind of subtly, morally corrupting. Uh, and the consultant class um, looks at short term what the polls are telling you today and advise candidates, here's what you have to do to win. You need to have a candidate, and, and Salmon previously had struck me as this kind of candidate, who said, you know, 
I'm going to be true to myself. Um, you figure out a way to maximize the chances of what I really believe resulting in a win. Um, I don't think you saw much of that behavior, if any, during the course of this campaign uh, from Republican candidates for any office, except Rusty Bowers. Right. I guess Tom Galvin also won his uh, his race to be on the on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and and that idea you said of of, of this idea of was well, kind of ironic in a, in a way because I did watch a lot of this uh, this old Turning Point rally uh, leading up to this podcast, but ironically, that's what allowed Trump to win in the beginning because in 2016 and, and Blake Masters pointed this out in his speech that people are tired of the cookie cutter, you know, the consultant driven campaigns and that Trump beat all those other candidates in 2016, basically just doing like just what you said. Now he was, he was tapped into the whole Fox news, um, Breitbart, sort of ap- apparatus and and had f- fame from his um, reality TV shows um, but he changed the changed the whole party into into a point where it's unrecognizable unrecognizable today from what it was before and then and then you see all, all the people that were trying to compete in this party basically were relying on the same consultant saying well, here's the message you need to say to, to get along in this party. And just another example of the Secretary of State's race, um, Abe Kwok, uh, your former colleague, wrote a column basically saying that, you know, M- Michelle Eugenti Rita could have stood up or stood out as uh, the candidate to, to beat Fincham in a different sort of circumstance. You know, Bo, Bo Lane ended up fi- trying to fill that lane of of the principled, I'm not going to overturn the next election candidate. Um, but, so it kind of crowded out, but, but Michelle Gentry was at that turning point rally too. And she got booed off stage for, I forget what, what the reason was, well, but it's and, like, and, why even go to that? And, and, and Bolain, who was the establishment hope, um, uh, while not embracing the big lie, nevertheless, his campaign theme was, uh, elect me to restore confidence in the integrity of Arizona elections. Well, that implies that there was reason uh, not to have confidence in the integrity of the elections in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was plain footsie with the big lie. Um, so even there, you did not have a candidate who said our elections are clean and I'm running to keep them that way. Right. Um, and then all so, this money. Go ahead. Go ahead. But all that money, all the money that Robeson spent on these ads, not a single time did she run an ad about the biggest weak, the weakest point of Lake, which is that she's an unhinged Trump fanatic that would well, be and, dangerous and to the state. She doubled down on on the plain footsie with the big lie in the last week, where she refused on CNN to say uh, that Biden was legitimately elected president. Um, and, or that she would have certified the 2020 uh, election. So, is that so the, at that point in time, she was one-on-one with Lake. Uh, and as I wrote at the time, I think she suppressed her vote, and it may have cost her the election because it, it did not give Republicans 
who don't like Trump's dominance and abhor uh, what he did to try to overturn the results of the 2020 election, or independents, a reason to turn out and vote for her. And that and that was kind of trying to split the difference, right? Trying to have it both ways. And I think Absolutely. maybe the lesson, maybe the lesson from this whole thing is you can't have it both ways. You're, you know, choose a side. Are you a, are you a full on Trumper who wants to, who, you know, who want, who would like to install him as a, you know, as an authoritarian um, president or are you not? And if you're not, it's not okay to act like it because obviously it doesn't work. And well, you, you know, in, in politics, authenticity will generally be inauthenticity. Uh, and so the authentic uh, Trumpers won over those that were trying to play it too cute by half. Well, do you think there's a possibility for, and you, you basically, in your column was, your column today basically said, this party is, is done. It's Trump party. If you, if you want to actually do conservative policy and not buy into all this lunacy, you're going to have to try something else. I don't know if it's um, trying to be a conservative Democrat. I don't know if that's a possibility. Um, but you basically didn't give much hope for the, for the Republican Party. But do you think there is any possibility whatsoever of a sort of counter-revolution in terms of the party? You know, we have Rusty Bowers, who is, his, is now a national presence, in, in what he's done. Uh, Tom Galvin was really the only honest, principled Republican to win his primary running, running specifically as a principled and honest Republican on those issues. Then you have Bill Gates, Stephen Richard. Um, is there any possibility for a foundation there of political success down the road within the Republican Party? I'm extremely pessimistic about um, the ability of the Arizona Republican Party, and again, other states, it may be a different situation, uh, redeeming itself and again becoming the party of Goldwater, Rhodes, McCain, and Kyle, rather than the party of Trump. If it is to happen, uh, the scenario under which it happens is probably something like this. Uh, the Republicans get slacked uh, in the upcoming election. They lose the U.S. Senate race again. They lose governor, secretary of state, attorney general, superintendent of public instruction. It's a Democratic sweep. At that point in time, uh, you might have the ability for the forces that you described uh, backed up by a business community that so far has um, not been much of a player uh, in uh, in Republican Party politics that have gone down the Trump rabbit hole um, to uh, try to, as Goldwater, Rhodes, McCain, and Kyle did at various points in time in the past, uh, sort of try to bring the party apparatus and and the election machinery uh, back into more pragmatic, conservative, mainstream uh, uh, hands. Uh, the reason why I'm skeptical about that is that these election results, in, in, in the past when the Republican, where those interventions occurred and were successful, 
and restoring the Republican Party into more pragmatic, conservative, mainstream hands, uh, the fringe element were fringe. Uh, I, I think the result from this election says that the base party vote uh, is all in for Trump uh, and uh, and supports what's going on. So that's what leads to my pessimism. Uh, but the scenario under which it, it it occurs would be after a shellacking in this upcoming election. And that's a that's a shame too because that base, I don't I don't know if it was inevitable that that base would have stayed like that or not. But you could try to imagine a different scenario where two years ago, you know, instead of instead of running to a turning point USA stage, if the major if the if the Republicans would have stuck together and said, you know what, Trump lost. Let's move on. You know, it seemed like in in I think tell Tim Alberta, the um, the writer for the Atlantic, talks about this in his in his old reporting of they just never did that. There was never a coalition that that decided to do that together. So anyone that did that was just popping their head out on their own and not surviving politically. What about the what about the flip side? What if what if these election denying candidates win that in the general? That's that's one thing that I'm trying to wrap my mind around. Is what would that actually look like? I mean, in the, if the state legislature um, becomes a Trump majority, we we kind of already know some of what they'll do. They want to break up Maricopa County. They want to get rid of mail in voting. Um, they would like to maybe do all hand count voting or change a lot of the rules that would make it. Um, They've they've already been openly talking about that, but what about, but what about like attorney general? You wrote about the attorney general. What what possible? What does that look like if the attorney general is a Trump loyalist? What does that look like in, in the real world? Well, unfortunately, um, Arizona law gives the attorney general uh, unilateral authority to take any action he wants in. Uh, federal court on behalf of the state. Um, so if you had a uh, Trumper uh, in that position, um, you can count on a continuation of suing the Biden administration at every turn, although uh, Mark Brnovich um, has been doing that anyway to no avail for his uh, U.S. Senate aspirations. Um, it has... The office has broad investigative, investigatory powers, uh, and uh, the um, Trump uh, endorsee has pledged to uh, get to the bottom of the 2020 fraud. Um, so that's that's a, a power that can be grossly abused. Uh, the legislature um, may have trouble actually getting anything done. These are not people who are particularly good at playing with others. Um, and I think that to the extent they go too crazy, you may very well see a referendum uh, machinery um, put in place uh, from uh, liberal groups to uh, the business community. Uh, to be in a position if they pass too much crazy stuff 
uh, to instantly refer it to the ballot. Um, I, I think that's a likely uh, reaction uh, if if there's not a Democrat in the governor's office uh, to operate as a check on any excesses that the Trumpian legislature might enact. And I actually think serving as that check is a very powerful uh, general election message for Katie Hobbs to use. That's what I want to, the last question I want to ask is what is to expand on that, that idea of, of what messaging might be effective for the Democrats, but just that, that part of, it's almost like an inverting of what had traditionally been seen as a conservative thing, this idea of respect for law and order. I mean, to have an attorney general coming out at, to have an attorney general candidate who calls himself a conservative coming out at a Trump rally to like a bad boy, the song he came out there was like, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? And then huge chance, huge chance of when he's talking about how he's going to lock people up and put handcuffs on them for these imagine this, this you know this is a guy who's been out of law school for six years <laughs> and and it's like and it's and it's i mean it's not to me it's not funny because it's 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 real right this is you're playing yeah. games with you're yep. playing games with uh the most successful uh system of justice um you know no no system is perfect and there's a lot of reforms that um, like good reforms that people advocate for, but just the principle of due process is just completely thrown out the window um, with this populist rage, and it's and it's almost seen like it's a joke. But now you're now we're faced with a very real possibility that um, these these populists, you know, nationalists, whatever you want to call them. Um, Trump loyalists will have real power in in Arizona, and it's, I don't I don't know if people have fully wrapped their minds around what that would look like. I, I don't think they have, uh, and I think it's worth noting that when a Maricopa County uh, attorney, um, Andrew Thomas, misused his investigatory uh, powers, uh, he ended up getting disbarred. Um, I. Um, hope that that is a sobering uh, historical example. Uh, if uh, the republic, it, it, the Republican nominee is to win. Final question here is about messaging for uh, for Democrats. What uh, you mentioned, Katie Hobbs might be able to run as a check on a possible Trumpy. Uh, state legislature, but what other messages would you would you advise for you know an Adrian Fontes who's likely looking again results aren't fully in yet, but Fontes looks like he's got the nomination for Secretary of State, uh, Mark Kelly for Senate, Chris Mays for uh, Attorney General, and then Hobbs and Hoffman. Um, for governor and superintendent of public instruction? Well, I fear the Democrats are making a strategic error, and, and Chris Mays is an example of it. Her, her background and experience is so more compelling 
uh, a claim for the office and her professionalism uh, compared to her opponent um, that um, I, I, I think she could run a let's make sure there's an adult in the office campaign and uh, have a very, very good chance of bucking what's likely to be otherwise a big Republican year. Instead, she and the Democratic Party in general um, want to make a big deal of the abortion issue. I mean, she's pledging uh, not to uh, enforce any uh, anti-abortion laws that exist or may be passed. She's argued that uh, the Arizona Constitution's uh, privacy provision uh, provides a state constitutional guarantee of the right to abortion, uh, unlike what the Supreme Court has decided with respect to the federal constitution. Uh, and, and I don't think in these circumstances, I mean, if, if it was the sort of thing where you're trying to influence a 2 to 3% turnout advantage or crossover vote, uh, then making that your main argument um, in, might make some sense. Uh, but I don't think that in these circumstances are the best argument to make. I, I think the argument that let's have adults uh, in charge of state government uh, is uh, the argument that appeals to independents and um, Republicans who have had enough of Trumpism. So you don't think that could be a effective, uh, not only wedge issue, but also turnout driver, the, uh, the abortion question? I, 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 th I think it pushes independents and Republicans um, who are either pro-life or uncomfortable with the extreme pro-choice uh, position uh, into a difficult choice as to whether they go with the Democrats and what they're pledging on abortion or whether they go with these Trumpers who, who they don't um, care for and otherwise wouldn't support. So an argument about good governance and, uh, and, and having qualified professional people uh, in these positions and stopping Trumpism, which Arizona voters have already rejected, uh, is um, a much uh, better winning strategy uh, than trying wedge issues that uh, they hope to increase their turnout or call um, cause some degree of crossover voting for them. Well, my, my, I mean, might the, might the reality be that the Trump folks are the ones that are more extreme on this issue and that there's more independents and moderate Republicans who are more open to, uh, um, you know, a, a, at least having, some some choice rather than none on on the abortion question. You're going to get those people anyway, um, uh, and I do believe that there's a pro-choice movement that is independent and broader uh, than Trumpism, uh, and there's even a broader group of people who are uncomfortable with the extreme pro-choice um, right. position. Uh, and I and I think <clears throat> in this election, with what the Republicans have put on the ballot. Uh, you don't want to risk alienating those people or giving them a, a, a hard choice. Whereas if you're running on competence and good governance and stopping Trumpism, um, I think your ability to uh, 
get a strong independent support and a significant crossover Republican vote is pretty big, uh, even in a otherwise Republican uh, leaning year. As I said, I think Katie Cobbs in particular uh, has the ability to say, you got to elect me to be a check on a Trumpian legislature. Well, let's let's leave it there for now. Any any departing words, final thoughts on these on these results? Uh, no, just continuing to cry in my beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to keep reading Robert Rob crying into his beer, you can subscribe to his Substack, robertrob.substack.com. There's also very happy about this. There's now a Substack app coming out on Android. Um, I'm an Android user. I've been patiently waiting so that I can get all my Substacks in one place. Um, you can listen to the Political Notebook podcast on any podcasting app, Apple, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks.